Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We want to continue. This is our fourth uh, lesson on faith. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've been enjoying Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is, is a real powerful chapter, and you can, there's a whole lot to learn. Uh, and be, to be honest with you, I'm skipping a whole lot, but uh, uh, I know how we are. Sometimes we can only take so much at one, at, at, for a few weeks, and we have to move on to another subject or whatever. But Hebrews is a, is a wonderful, wonderful chapter for us to learn about faith, how we grow in our faith. We're going to learn tonight how that faith is, is one way that we can use and utilize to please God. The Bible tells us that without faith, right, it's impossible. Everybody say impossible. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So if, if, if I want to please God, I've got to have some faith, right? I've got to have at least a measure of faith anyway. I, and I've got it. It would seem like I would need my faith to grow a little bit as, I, as I'm pleasing God. So look with me, if you will. In uh, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, we're going to start with verse number 3. Right before we do that, let me give you these things right here that I come across that I, that I, that I wanted to start with. These are, these are some genuine, uh, truthful complaints that people called in uh, complaining about this travel company. These are some of the complaints. One of the complaints was this. No one told us there would be fish in the sea. And so our children were startled when we told them that. The brochure said no hairdressers was going to be at the accommodation. We're trainee hairdressers. Will, it, will, will we be okay staying there? It took us nine hours to fly from Jamaica to from England. It only took the Americans three hours. Complaints. One of them was, I compared the size of our one-bedroom apartment to our friend's three-bedroom apartment, and ours was significantly smaller. Think about that one just a little bit. Another one was this. We booked an excursion at a water park, but nobody told us to bring swimsuits. So they were complaining. Last one was this. We found the sand on the beach was not like the sand in your brochure. Your brochure shows the sand as yellow, but the sand was actually white. Now, the reason I give you that, and I could go on and on with these things. How many knows that sometimes it's hard to please everybody? It's hard to please everybody. No matter what you do, no matter what you say, somebody's always going to be dissatisfied. <clears throat> Whatever you buy, wherever you go, there's always something that's just not going to be right. You know the saying, you can't please all the people all the time, right? There's another saying like this, you can't please some people any other time. <laughs> that's probably, probably more accurate. So here's the question as we lead into this chapter, Hebrews chapter 11. What, what about God then? The question is, what... And how is he to please? How easy is God to please? And what is he like to please? If we're going to please God, then what do we have to do in order to please him? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Look with me, verse number 3. The Bible says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered a more, uh, to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he comes to God, must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith. Noah, being divinely warned, 
uh, of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world, and became an heir of the righteousness which is, which, which is according to faith. Now when you think about these scriptures here, these scriptures really, there's a lot, there's a lot to say about pleasing God in these particular scriptures and other scriptures that we'll read, that we'll read next week. The writer used, uh, used Abel as an example. Uh, he, he used Enoch as an example, how, how Enoch pleased God. And uh, we know that Enoch and Elijah was one of the two people, or two of the two people that never saw death because God took them. Enoch, Enoch was taken, Elijah was transported by, by a chariot of fire. You, we remember that in Scripture. God took them. And so all throughout Scripture, uh, th- these guys was recognized as special individuals. And I guess... You'd consider they probably would be special. If, if God was to take one of you with a, with a chariot of fire, I'd consider you a special individual. If God was, chose to take me as he took Enoch, I would consider myself a special individual. And I don't, and I don't know all the, the reasoning behind that, but they pleased God, and God wanted to go ahead and get them up. And there's been sermon after sermon about that, but that's not my message tonight. But the first thing I want you to understand, the Bible says that faith is a way that we please God. Faith is a way that we please God. How you please someone, how we please someone, if we please them good, we'll get a good reaction, right, back on people. But the question comes to mind, how do you please somebody who is genuinely perfect? How do you please somebody who is 100% right all the time? How do you please somebody that knows everything, that sees everything, and that can do everything? How do we, how do we muster up enough of energy to please God, gee, the creator of everything? And this, this guy that, that, uh, that is even morally perfect and, and everything about him, he's, he's perfect in all ways. So how do we, how do we please that? There's a little story that says when it comes to pleasing God, some people feel like they're the little sparrow that was lying on his back one day with the little legs that was, that was pointed upward toward the sky. And so when, when asked about this little sparrow, why are you laying on your back and your legs pointed up to the sky? And the little sparrow says, well, I've heard that the sky is falling, and so I'm going to do my best to catch it. And so the response was, well, how do you figure those little scrawny legs is going to catch the sky? And the little sparrow says, well, you've got to do the best that you can. You ever heard that before? You got to do the best that you can. And sometimes, if we're not careful, people feel, feel like that's, that we, we treat God that way. God expects great things out of us, but we're going to do, God, we're going to do the best we can. We'll use this statement about the devil made me do it. I can't do this because I lost my temper. I can't do that because of this, whatever. We'll use all kinds of excuses, but the truth is we make those decisions ourselves, right? And we become like that little sparrow that says, well, we're just going to do the best that we can. But the Scripture tells us it's impossible to please God without faith. The faith that this writer here in Hebrews is, is talking about is faith that not only believes that God exists, but it's a, it's a specific kind of faith that in God who has revealed himself in, in, through his son, Jesus Christ. And you and I, we believe on the sonship of Jesus Christ. We believe that the promise was fulfilled through Jesus Christ. We believe that he's coming back after his church one day. We don't know when it's going to happen, but we believe that he's coming back. We believe that every time we come together in a setting like this, that we can sense the presence of God through faith. All of that is done through our faith, right? Right? I've not saw God, 
And probably I can safely say none of you have saw God eye to eye and face to face, but we feel God. We sense God. We believe that God is there. And by faith, by faith that, that grows within us, we believe that he is God. And so our, our, so, so our believing that God will deliver on his promise, it's, a, it's an eager expectation, if you will. It's a hope within us that God is going to be fulfilled in this. Faith is simply about focus. I talked to the staff and even the council last night about focus. It's so important for you and I to keep our focus about things. You know, you, you see me up here for the last several years now having to use glasses because if I open up this Bible and, if, and the print is too small, it's not focused very well. I've got to use a magnifying glass, so to speak, in order so that the words will be magnified so I can see. And when you think about that from a spiritual standpoint, by faith it magnifies with, within the Lord Jesus Christ. He can see us. He can see the faith within us growing each and every day. And by faith we learn to believe upon him. By faith we learn to accept him. It's sort of like, it's like Peter when he was walking on the water in Matthew, full of faith his focus when he got out of the boat was not on the water it was not on the storm his focus was on Jesus right but as soon as he took his focus the Bible says his eye off of the Lord he began to sink as soon as he took his focus off of what he was looking at he was no longer trusting in him he was worrying about the waves and he began to sink but but I promise you if he could have kept his eyes upon the master if he kept his focus upon Jesus, he would not have sunk, right? He would have continued to walk on the water. Jesus was there to catch him. We know that. And Jesus made this statement. He said, you of little faith. He said, why did you doubt? Here I am. And that sounds so much just like us, does it not? Jesus, he gives us an instruction or he commands us whatever, you know, and we, and we, we, we step out on faith believing in him. But when that first wave comes, when that first storm comes, we worry about that. Sister Carol, you remember, you remember when we was in Honduras last and, and we went down to that river, that Rio Blanco River, you know, and, the, and it just rained the day before and how that water was up. Well, I was there the week earlier. We got out there in that water and we played around in that water. It was a beautiful place, a little area that, that, we, that we were swimming in and just jumping in and all of that there in, in Honduras. But that particular week that our team was down there, the water had got up and it had got swift. You couldn't get back to where we were swimming. It was too swift. The water was too swift. And so we began to ease our way out in this water, and it was hard. And, and, I, and I promise you, there was a time or two that our, my focus was not necessarily on everybody else. It was on the water, the swiftness of the water. Matter of fact, I think Carol got swept away, and I had to catch her, and, and we, we both almost lost it, and Angela got swept away, and we still almost lost it. And we was just busy trying to catch one another because of trying to pay so much close attention or being aware or keeping our eye on the water, the swiftness of the water coming instead of all the beauty that was around us. It's the same way with God. If we get our eyes and we get our focus off of God, if we get our focus off of Jesus, we are going to become more aware of all the junk that's around us. We know that to be so, right? And by faith, it helps us to, to understand that. By faith, we keep the focus on God. We don't look at the wind. We don't look at the waves. If you already have the Lord in your heart, then you know that he's already and he's always there for you, right? He's always there for you. You can also lose your focus when life is easy. I'm going to stop right there and let you think about that in just a little bit. You ever heard, what's that old song? Life is easy when you're up on the mountain. 
right? But when you're down in the valley, it gets hard sometimes. Life, we can lose the focus and our faith when life is easy. Job had that problem. You remember, you remember in Job? The Bible says he was surrounded by this group of people and by this group of people and by this group of people and by this group of people. But there's a scripture in there in Job that says, and he was at ease. He was at ease. But when we, learn, when we take our eyes off of God, we lose focus. That's why it's so important for you and I to keep our focus upon the Lord Jesus Christ every day. And I can't say that enough. And I know it sounds simple. I know it sounds so primary, but for many of us, it's hard for us to do. It's hard for us to do because we have all these outside forces that's interfering in our life. And if we're not careful, little by little, process after process, we begin to lose our focus on the Lord. We allow the outside circumstances. Samson was the same way. Little by little, right? Delilah got him to tell him to tell her the truth. Little by it didn't start out that way. It didn't start out, but finally he got his eyes off of Christ. Faith is a lot more than just enjoying the blessing of God. It's maintaining your focus upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's all you need to please God. Bible says that faith is what you need to please God. Now think about this. It's not faith plus prayer that pleases God, even though we know prayer is a good thing. We need to pray, right? It's not faith and for us being good that pleases God, even though I hope that we can be good in our, in our walk with God. It's, it's not faith and our service even. as we And we know that the Lord wants us to serve our fellow man. That's, that's not what pleases God. The Bible says, Sister Pam, that faith is the only thing. Faith is the only thing that we can, how we can please God. Now, I know these other things pleases God, but the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So at least we've got to have faith. At least we've got to have that walking within us. The second thing is this, that faith can be used as a doorway to God. It can be used as an access to God. It can be used as a tunnel, if you will. In order to get to God, faith is the gateway to walking with God. The Bible says Enoch walked with God. Now, just those four words right there, that's some powerful statement right there. You ever, you ever thought about how powerful it is for Enoch just to walk with God? I mean, that's way, way, way back yonder. Enoch walked with God. And the Bible says, and God took him. He walked with God. There's so much implication here. Just, it's not just talking about just going like this, walking with God. I don't think that's what that scripture is necessarily talking about. It could, but I think there's so much more to it than that. It's his relationship with God. It's how he felt about God. It's his attitude that he had about God. It's his whole mentality about God. His whole life was made up knowing that he was going to have relationship and fellowship with God. And by faith, he learned to walk with God and God took him. In other words, their relationship had to get so intimate and so close that God said, I can't wait anymore. I've got to have him up here with me. You ever thought about that? You ever thought about how cool it, it, it had to be for God and Enoch to walk together and God just one day decided, hey, come on up here. You, I, you know, come on, just come on up with me. It's time. He walked with God. Walking with God is intimacy and it, and it, and it proceeds from our faith. It begins with our faith. And so when you and I are keeping our focus with God, when walking with God, or when our, when our faith is with God, then walking with God becomes so much more simpler as we walk with God. 
Our focus is there. It's on Him. Our eyes are not on anything else. He's there all the time. He's always on our mind. Walking with God is all about our focus on God. Now, you know as well as I know, you know, the day and time that we live in, the culture that we live in, and we talk about it all the time, there's so many things that's changing all around us all the time with everything. It's changing all the time. But the truth of the gospel should never change. The message of the gospel ought to never change with us. Just because this one's doing that one and the world says this does not mean it's lining up with the Scripture. And so my focus then has to always return to the basics, right? It has to, it has to get back and line itself up. My life has to be in alignment with what the Word says and what with God says. And the one reason that it can happen that way is through my faith. Well, God, it, we're not doing things like we did 30 and 40. I understand that, but my relationship with Him ought to be the same. My walk with him ought to be the same. The truth of the gospel ought not ever to change that. What this world does, we'll change our hairstyle, we'll change our hair color, we'll change our clothes, we'll change the color of how we like, we'll dress differently, the styles will change from time to time, but my walk with God should never be altered. Hello. It needs to stay the same. It needs to stay consistent. When I say that word consistent, let me stop here and, and tell you this. We have today in the church world, and even in, in the secular world, we have a lot of wonderful and great starters. But we have a lot of lousy finishers. And what faith does with us, it allows us to finish. It keeps us keeping on. It keeps us on track. It keeps us doing the right thing, right? It keeps us moving in the right direction. So, so if we're living for God, then walking with God ought to be a natural thing for us. Ought to be a natural thing. God ought to be the central thing in our life to, to, to everything that's going on. Some people, and you may have prayed this prayer before, that, that desires a closer walk with God will try to work that, that walk up themselves. But you don't necessarily have to do that. You just have to trust God more and more. Have faith in God. Have faith in God amidst all the hardness of life. Amidst all these things, have faith in God. I feel like I've been mentioned about John Wesley several times over the last few weeks, but I'm going to mention another story about him. They said about this John Wesley guy that, uh, that, uh, that, that amidst all of his hard labors that he went through, all of his many, many engagements that he had, that he was on the go all the time, his coming, his going, that, that John Wesley lived... They said a hidden life of intimacy with God that nobody really saw. They saw what he'd done, but they didn't see the intimacy part of his life. And he said when he was worn out with, with work and he was overloaded, all that kind of stuff, he, 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 he didn't go to rest necessarily, but he went to pray because he knew that prayer, Brother Parker, would give him strength. He knew that prayer, would, would, when, when he would got, get along with God and get in that relationship with God, he knew that God himself would renew. He, he, he believed that scripture that he'd be renewed like the eagles. He'd, he'd be able to mount up and soar. He, 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 he was able to run again when he, when he felt faint because of his intimacy with God. And they said about Wesley that this strict habit to, to daily prayer, he, he always spent an hour of the morning and an hour in the evening and all those kind of things, but, but he would pray more and, 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 and when he had those opportunities and when those moments would come and, and and we've got to know church that the more we focus on God the easier that it will be for you and I even to pray when our focus is on God let me let me show you what I mean by this Sunday night I told you that I wanted you to come for a 530 prayer meeting 
We didn't make any special invitation about it other than the fact that we wanted to specifically pray. At that meeting, many of you came that doesn't normally come on Sunday evening. I'm not getting on to you, so don't, don't think I'm getting on to you. I just want to, I want to point something out to you. Sister Sheena got up and, and gave you a little testimony, so to speak, of what God laid upon her heart about moms and about praying for these, for these kids and how, how she felt like that, that uh, or, or the, uh, the, I can't remember the, what was the man's name again? His name won't come to me. Uh, Rodriguez made a statement that how, how the enemy was trying to take out the next generation. And, and she told you about that. But, but we, we all were then focused on that particular prayer. And I want to tell you something. We had prayer. We had a prayer meeting here, right? Those of you that are here, you know what I'm talking about. We had a prayer meeting. But shouldn't it be that way all the time? That our focus on God needs to be on God and Jesus and Him coming in and filling and lifting us up all the time? Yeah, I know there's always going to be specific times that we pray. And there's nothing wrong with that. But in reality, every time that we come together, our focus needs to be on God. I, I, I'm just under the opinion that when my focus is right, all of the outside sources that, that hinders me won't hinder me no more. They won't because I'm not going to be bothered by that. I'm not going to be bothered by my toe ache or my headache or my body ache and all these other aches that sometimes we get because my focus is going to be on Him. When I'm, when I'm weak in flesh or whatever, I know that the Scripture says I can be renewed as the eagles and I can mount up if I'll simply trust in God and lean upon Him. I'm not, I'm not saying for you not to rest. That's not what I'm getting at. But so often today we neglect those things that we shouldn't neglect. But in our faith, if our faith is going to continue to grow, we have to know that God is walking with us and guiding us and our faith is continuing to grow with Him, to grow in Him. The third thing is this I want you to know, that faith, the Bible says, is rewarded. Faith is rewarded. Verse 6 even tells us that, that earnest seeking leads to a reward. Earnest seeking leads to reward. The writer here is talking about faith, maintaining again your focus on God. This focus is a way for you and I to receive the reward that God is going to bless us with. We'll not be disappointed in that. It leads us to a walk with God where, where we begin to know His presence. It leads us with a walk with God that we'll begin to know His power. We'll begin to know His peace. We'll begin to know the very, uh, the very voice of God. Can, can, can I tell you this? And I, I think you'll believe me that the more and more you talk to God, the better you're going to understand what He's got to say. The more you listen to God and act, upon what God says, the more God's going to speak to you. How does God speak? There's many ways that God speaks. We've just got to be sensitive enough to listen to that stuff. Through our, through, our, through, our, through our subconscious even, through dreams, all kind of different ways that God speaks. But the more we learn to listen to God, the more God will trust us. You remember, remember what I told you? When God learns to trust us with the little things of life, He'll, he'll lay on the heavy stuff. He'll, he'll, he'll give us the heavy stuff. So faith is rewarded when we receive what God has promised. There's a scripture in the Bible in Psalms 23 that everybody knows, but listen to this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. Out of the Message Bible, and it says this. I forgot to tell you that, so it may, it may be a little different. It says, I, no, I'm, I'm sorry, it is the, the New King James. I'm sorry. I lack nothing. I lack nothing. 
He said, it makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside the still, the quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for my namesake. Even though I walk through the, through the, through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Bible says, you prepare a table. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. In the midst of all those people that's speaking bad things about me, in the midst of all that stuff that, that's going on where, where I have no control, he prepares a table for me in the presence of those enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, when you and I, when you and I are going through the tough times, you think about this. When we're going through the tough times, it's amazing how real we know that God is with us. Why is that, you think? Because we're more sensitive to it. We're more sensitive to it. You remember back in January when we were fasting those 21 days? How many can, can identify with me that when I, I find when I fast that length of time and my prayer life is increased, my Bible reading is increased during that time, my fasting is increased, that my spirit man becomes more sensitive to the voice of God. Have you ever noticed that before? More sensitive to him. You begin to pick up on things that normally you wouldn't pick up on. It's almost like you're, you're, you're having an x-ray vision, so to speak, in the spirit realm. You begin to hear. You, you, you're ha you have those supernatural ears that you hear the voice of God. I don't know if you've noticed that you've ever done that before, but I, I challenge you, if, next time you get ready to fast, fast for a season of time. I mean, really get serious and get down to business and see if your, your prayer life doesn't change. See if God doesn't speak to you more, more like that. It, 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 it'll become, you'll become more sensitive, uh, sensitive about those things. So this reward here is discovering what God can do in our daily lives. He leads me. Beside the still water, he, he makes me walk down those paths. He, he, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. All of those things like this. Enoch got a reward. What was Enoch's reward? God took him. God took him. That was Enoch's reward. Translated before death. Uh, you know, like, like Enoch, we're going to get to go to heaven one day, and we're looking forward for that day. We know Jesus is coming back, and he's going to take his church home. And so those of us who are alive at his return, and, and we're born again, we're going to be get, able to be caught up as well with the Lord in the air, right? Amen. We'll be caught up together with him in the air. I've told this story before, but I want to close with this story of a missionary that was returning from a, from a life of service uh, from, uh, from overseas and doing, doing a lifelong missionary work in the, in the field. And this missionary had a harsh circumstances. He had a lot of, a lot of problems that he had to go through, but God uh, kept him, he sustained him, and he brought him home. When he arrived at home in America, there was this big celebration. Childs was ch uh, crowds was cheering, and, and he thought, oh, they shouldn't have done this, and he thought it was, it was for him. But it turns out it, the crowd, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the cheers, wasn't for him. Not one person was waiting for him and his wife when they got, got home. Now, I think that's a sad little story in the first place, but, but nobody was waiting for him. The crowds was for the president at that day who had been, who had been on a hunting trip, and this president had come, come back. And despondent and, and despair gripped his heart and all these kind of things. He began to grumble, began to complain a little bit. And all of a sudden, God began to speak to him. He said, hey, I want to let you know something. The crowds are not cheering because you're not home yet. You're not home yet. But when you get home, they'll be cheering for you. You ever thought about that, how amazing that is? When I think about that little story and, and I read about that, I think about those saints of old in our church that's already gone on before the Lord. 
And they are in heaven. And when they got there, there were crowds that was cheering them on, welcoming them across the, the, the gates, welcoming them into, into the glory realm. But then they, the Bible says, have become that great cloud of witnesses. They have become that cheering section. They have become that group of folks that's cheering us on, that's cheering me on. Listen to me, church. You've got people probably now, family members and, and loved ones that you know that's in heaven tonight that's cheering you on. Oh, you may not be able to hear them, but I promise you they're cheering you on. They're, 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 they're saying you can make it, you can make it, you can make it. See, we've got to understand that we've got to keep our focus upon Christ. Don't let nothing hinder that. Don't let nothing hinder that. That way, the Bible says, we please God. We please God. We walk with God, and we get the reward of God's presence now, and we get the reward of God's presence in eternity. Where is our focus today? Do we feel like Peter and we're about to sink? <laughs> I know I've been there before. Do we feel like him? And, and we've got to cry out to God so that he'll reach out and, and grab a hold of us? Or are we walking on the water in the storm? We've got to learn to keep our focus in him. Let me read this scripture to you, and I'm going to close. Um, I, I read it to Joe earlier uh, tonight, but I, I love this scripture. I want to do a, do a message off this scripture out of the book of Isaiah chapter 10. The Bible talked about this. This chapter here is talking about some of the remnant of Israel is returning home after being in, in captivity and all these kind of things and the yoke and all that was on them and the bondages and all that kind of stuff. And uh, again, keeping your focus upon God. Even in captivity, these people, they had to keep their focus upon God. They, they, they was allowed to return home. But in this, in this chapter, the Bible says in verse 20, that it will come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel, as such have escaped from the house of Jacob, will never again depend on him who defeated them, but will depend on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in truth. The remnant will return. The remnant will return. And when you go on down to verse 27, this is a verse I really like. This verse 27 says, It shall come to pass in that day. Now, I don't know when that day is, but I believe, I believe Isaiah here is speaking prophetically here. I believe it will come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. The yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. How do you get that anointing oil, oil Pastor? You keep your focus on Christ. You keep your faith in him. You keep trusting. You keep walking. You keep, move, you keep moving forward. You keep doing whatever you've got to do. Don't allow nothing. Paul said, I'm persuaded there's nothing that's going to keep me from him. Height, depth, there's nothing that's going to keep me from him. I don't care what's going on in my life. There's nothing that's going to keep me from him. And we're the same way. If we allow ourselves, we'll allow those circumstances and things in life to, 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 to make us fall away and, and lose our focus. But listen, to, listen to me, church. Don't allow nothing. Everybody say nothing to make you lose your focus on Christ. He's coming back and looking for a focused people. He's coming back looking for a people that's full of faith. He's coming back and he's looking for a people that has their focus, their eyes upon him. They're looking for him who is the author and the finisher of their faith. I don't know about you, but I want to be that kind of a person, right? Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you tonight for your many blessings. We thank you, God, for the truth of your word tonight. We thank you, God, because we know that in this word well, there's life for every one of us tonight. Lord, I'm asking you to help your people tonight remain focused upon you. 
But let us get our eyes up off of you. Let us keep our eyes upon you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. I know preachers always say they're closing, but let me close with this one little story. I was telling, uh, I can't remember who I was sharing this with. There was a tennis player, a professional tennis player, a lady. I can't remember her name. Somebody asked her one day, how, how do you keep your focus? And she says, I keep my focus by concentrating on the, on the ball that's coming at me. She said, I don't, I don't look at nothing else. She said this, Now I don't know if this is true. I'm not a big tennis player, but I, boy, it's hard to believe, but I guess it's possible. She says, I'm so focused on that ball that I can see the wording on that ball as it comes to me. That's focused, ain't it? <laughs> that is focused. She can see the, the writing on that, on that little yellow tennis ball as it comes at her. She says, I don't, I don't worry about the crowd. I don't worry about my opponent. I don't worry about the, the, the court, the net. I watch that ball. Boy, I'm going to tell you, when I, thought, I, I, when I thought, thought about that in the spirit realm, if we can keep our eyes that close on God, well, we can keep our eyes. I'm going to tell you, ain't nothing going to get in our way, right? There's nothing going to get in our way. Amen. God bless you.